Welcome to the Think Money Podcast, the number one podcast for growing your business or side hustle. I'm your host, Logan Stevens. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Whether you want to scale your business or grow your income, this podcast is for you. Back to the Think Money Podcast. Today, we have a very special entrepreneur guest on the show. Please welcome Dave Burton to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good. So actually, you're the second person ever to be interviewed on the show. How do you feel about that? I feel very honored. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Wow. We're trying to get more people to be interviewed on the show, but Dave owns a candy company and his candy company is called Capital Candy Jar. On his website, you can find things like truffles, fudge, seasonal candy, gift boxes, popcorn, and my personal favorite, chocolate-covered Oreos. So check him out at capitalcandyjar.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Awesome. So when you were young, you lived in the small town of Rocky, the Rocky Mountains, right? I did. Yeah. I, I, um, I grew up in a little town called Magna, Utah, which is a suburb of Salt Lake City. Oh, wow. Okay. So you, you kind of had the entrepreneurial spirit and... I read that you were always trying to find little ways to make extra money. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, why were you so motivated to make money? Was it like to buy the new video game or what was the motivation? I mean, I, I think a lot of it was because we were pretty poor when I was growing up. Um, I think I got my first taste of sort of sales and what it was like to have money as a kid. Um, when I was eight years old, I... Um, I used to get this magazine called Boy's Life, and on the back of it, um, there were these lists of all these prizes you could get if you went out and sold greeting cards and stationery. And um, at that time, we were living in a, a very tiny town in northern Wyoming called Byron, and I, I think I knocked on every single door in that town trying to sell people greeting cards and stationery, and I made like 200 bucks, and oh, I wow. used it to help buy my first bicycle, and I was like once I sort of had that taste for the uh, sales and the entrepreneurial spirit, it just sort of grew from there. And then my dad, uh, he went to graduate school in uh, Logan, Utah, Utah State University. And um, after we graduated, we we were still pretty poor and didn't have a lot of money. And I remember going to my parents and saying, hey, you know, I, I want money to go to movies with my friends and just do the things that um, by this time I was about 14 years old and I wanted money to do things that 14 year old kids would want to do. And um, I, my parents said, we don't have any money for you, but here's a recipe to make lollipops, see if you can sell them at school. And so um, I started making lollipops at home at night. I'd come home, I'd, I'd do my homework and then I'd make lollipops the rest of the night. And um, it grew so fast that I couldn't keep up with it. Uh, every kid in school knew my schedule and I'd have a line of kids waiting at my first period class when I got to school every morning. And um, I had to start adding other uh, candy to my lineup that I didn't make. Like I would- Like add, different like, flavors? Well, like I had different flavors of the lollipops, but then I also had like, I added like Smarties and Charms Blow Pops and Atomic Oh, Black I see, yeah. And, kind of and everything that, awesome. that I- 
was 25 cents or less. The lollipops were sort of my premier candy and um, they were they were the 25 cent candy, but everything else was like a nickel or a dime. And, um, you know, I was, I was making $40 a day selling candy at my junior high. And this is back when minimum wage was, you know, $3 and 35 cents an hour. I know that makes me sound super old, but you know, so if you worked an eight hour day at minimum wage, you were making, you know, 20, was that about $27 a day? And I hear I was wow. making 40 selling candy at my junior high. So, so that's amazing. And um, so my cousin, actually, you talked to my cousin's uh, youth group but he told me that you guys had, you had to bring a whole other backpack just to keep up with the demand. Is that true? That's absolutely true. I had one backpack that was my books and one backpack that was, was candy. And I would sell <laughs> out of the candy every day by lunchtime. That's crazy. So when I actually have sold candy at school and I mean, it's really hard to not get caught. Um, you know, I was like, I was selling and I don't think the people who bought it from me understood how much trouble I would get into if the principal found out, but uh, I had to shut down because the principal pulled me aside and she's like, sorry, you can't sell this at school, but the same thing happened to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I guess back then it was a little more acceptable to, to sell candy in school than it probably is now. And I, obviously it also probably depends on your school, but um, I mean, I used to bribe teachers with lollipops to start class five minutes late um, <laughs> so that I could get through my line of, of students. And so um, it wasn't like it was a secret that I had to keep from people um, that I was selling the candy. But on the other hand, um, I think it did start to get out of hand because um, after about three months and people saw how much money I was making, then some competitors uh, started springing up as well. And um, I remember getting called down to the principal's office one day and um, I walked in and my competitors are all sitting there as well. And he basically told us all he was shutting us down. And, uh, we'd have to stop from then on. So. And that was your first time getting in trouble um, I'm trying to, well, that was definitely my first time in the principal's office in my life, but yeah, um, yeah probably was. <laughs> and even then, I, I don't know that we were in that much trouble. He wasn't like super angry or anything like yeah. that. He was like, sorry guys, you, you got to stop this. We, I remember we yeah. were all like, that's highway robbery and everything. <laughs> He's like, sorry. <laughs> so were you like, did you know your competitors? Were you really competing to get people to come to you instead of the competitors was it like pricing or the recipes that your mom gave you like so my competitors um were yeah they were other people that knew me and i think that's why they decided to get into it because they saw how much i was making and so they uh, and many times they were in the same classes as i was but to be honest the competition didn't really last very long because it was literally probably about two weeks maybe three weeks at the most after the competitors started to show up that um, that the principal shut us down. So it, it, we didn't really have that long to like try to differentiate ourselves and our products. Yeah. So like after you got shut down, were you just like, you didn't, what, what did you decide to do after that? Like, did you just take a break from entrepreneurship for a little bit or what was your, what did you go forward with? So it's funny because um, very few people ask me that question when they hear my story, but um, funny little anecdote. I, um, 
the principal had given us the excuse that there was too much trash on the school property and that's why we couldn't sell candy anymore. And he was like, unless you guys want to pay me 10 to $20 a day each to like pay someone to pick up all the trash, then it's just not going to happen. And so obviously that shut us down. So I took that to mean that, okay, I just had to find a different product to sell that wasn't, didn't create trash. And so I came up, uh, this is back in the eighties. And so, um, buttons like that you pin onto your clothing were like super popular back then. Oh yeah. And, um, I looked online and did some research and I found that I could, for like several hundred dollars, I could buy a machine that you could make your own buttons and put whatever you wanted in them. And I didn't want to invest that much money in, into a business if I didn't know it was going to take off. So I found someone that was like an hour city bus ride away that had one of these machines in their basement. And so I started selling to my friends. I was like, you give me any picture or saying or whatever you want. And for $2, I'll put it on a button for you. And that's amazing. I like a custom like, button. Yeah, exactly. A custom that's button great. for two bucks. Um, and I, I sold like 10 of them, I think it was. And like, I remember taking the city bus like an hour each direction to like get these buttons made. And I think I'd been selling those for maybe a week may, or maybe two weeks. And it was kind of funny. I was sitting in my science class and uh, my science teacher saw some kid hand me money and he didn't even ask what it was for. He just like grabbed me and says, come with me, took me out in the hall. And he just started yelling for the vice principal. It's like, Mr. Moody, Mr. Moody, come down here. Dave Burton's selling something again. And so Mr. Moody came down and spoke to me in the hallway for a few minutes. And I said, there's no trash. I'm not, I'm not creating any trash. This is like totally legit here. And he was like, I'm sorry, you can't sell anything on school property at all. And so that sort of just another excuse. Yes, exactly. So that ended that and, and that sort of ended my entrepreneurial venture as a teenager. And it, um, I yeah. didn't start my next um, sort of venture until I was in college. Yeah. So, but I did hear that you got like a real, a real job as 14 year old at like a singing fudge maker, <laughs> like a mall I did. or something. I did. Um, so tell th- me so- what that was like. So there, there was um, there was a company that came into to town called the Fudgery, and they opened up a shop. and uh, These stores still exist today in some places. I've seen, I know there's one in Baltimore, and I think I've seen one in the Outer Banks and a few other places. Um, I think there's yeah. some down in Georgia. But um, basically, they're um, they're fudge shops, and and you uh, make fudge. But they, when it's the way you make fudge is is you you have to cook. Um, chocolate and corn syrup and sugar and stuff to a certain temperature. And then you sort of pour it out onto like a marble table. And then uh, you let it sit for just a little bit and then to really um, whip it to try and get a bunch of air in it. So it's light and creamy. And so that process, this particular company, the way they whipped it, instead of using like a mixer or something is they have these giant marble tables and these big um, tools that look kind of like a garden hoe that you would like turn the fudge on these marble tables. And it, the whole process took about 15, 20 minutes. And so we would put on a whole show um, while we did that. And we would sing and dance and make fudge. And we'd get these like big crowds of people that would gather around and watch us making the fudge. And then at the end, everybody got a free sample. Well, that's, I mean, that's awesome. You get to see them like make the fudge, but this is like your first time in a real job and working for somebody else. And like, did you like that? Or did you kind of like being your own boss? 
Um, I didn't mind it. Um, I liked the steady paycheck and that was ultimately why I had started my, my own business initially. So um, I don't know that it was something that necessarily uh, pushed me further into entrepreneurship, Um, but it definitely gave me some experience and, and some insight on what it was like to work in, in the real world and even work in a, you know, for a professional candy company. Yeah. Um, so in college, you have your retailing, your marketing jobs, and your, well, your re- retail marketing and consulting jobs, right? Yes, um, I did. I, I majored in retailing and marketing in college, and um, I, I especially uh, majored in international marketing because I had these visions that I was going to go over to Europe and and work over there someday and have some big high-powered um marketing job in in Europe yes my my career pathway took me a different direction after college yeah (laughs) because you still had that passion for candy and creating it yeah I, I did although I will say I knew when I was in college I started kind of having this thought process that someday I really wanted to own my own business and I remember um sort of thinking that and thinking that I needed to start saving and trying to figure out what that business was going to be. Um, I did start another business in college called, uh, well, so there was a, a company called Web TV that existed at the time. And um, they made these boxes. This is like the very beginnings of the internet. Um, this is uh, in, the, in the 2000s and, or sorry, in the 90s, I take that back. Um, this is the 90s and, um, you know, the internet was, was fairly new and um, someone had created these boxes that you could plug into a television set and it had a wireless keyboard and you could access the internet on your TV. And uh, the, they had a basic model for 99 bucks and an advanced model for $199. And um, I just, I thought that this might be the future of the internet because I just couldn't see people like my grandmother and even my parents owning a computer um, at that point. I, th- I thought, oh, you know, this is how they're going to get access to the internet is just this box. And um, those boxes were distributed a lot of different ways, but there was a, a network marketing company. Um, I don't know if you ever, if you're familiar with that term, but it's this concept uh, like Tupperware and Amway and some of those are also yeah. network marketing companies where you you sign up and then you have to sponsor people below you to like resell the product and they sponsor people and you build this like pyramid of people below you trying to um, sell stuff. And web TV, that was one of the main ways that web TV was sold. And I had some friends come and were like, you should sell web TV with us. And I was like, well, I really like the product. I think it's a cool product, but um you know, I, I'm not really up for this, like sponsor other people and build my downline and all that kind of stuff. I just think it's a great product and I could sell a lot of it. And they said, okay, no problem. Just sign up and, and you can be one of our distributors. So I, I signed up and I joined the, the thing. And then a, a couple, like a month or two later, uh, several of the guys that I knew through this web TV thing said, hey, we've, um, we've got this space in the mall and we're gonna go and try and sell web TVs for Christmas do you want to join? And I was like, oh, I'm kind of a poor student. I don't have a lot of money. So, you know, it was going to cost like, I can't remember how much it was, but it, it might've been like a thousand dollars or something. And I just didn't have like a thousand dollars at that point to, to join in on this venture with them. But I told them I'd come help them get everything set up. And I'm kind of glad I didn't join the venture because it was super janky. Like it was one of the mall spaces where like some other retailer had gone out of business. And so it was just like 
literally the shell of a store. And they, they put up like a folding table um, and like a tablecloth on it and like a TV and, and this box. And that was it in this like massive space that it, it looked super shady. It looked like someone was yeah. trying to sell you this like $200 box out of their like, you know, trunk in a parking lot almost. I mean, they were inside the mall, but it was not in any way professionally done and, and put together. And I just thought, uh, really glad I'm not part of this, especially for a thousand dollars. Well, yeah. it turned out they lost a lot of money on that by the time they paid the, the rent that the mall charged them. But while we were setting them up, one of those guys said, hey, um, I heard um, this infomercial last night on TV. It was for web TV and I decided to watch it. And it was 30 minutes long and they were talking about all the benefits of web TV. And at the end, I forgot to write down the 800 number to call. And so um, I tried calling information like directory assistance to get the 800 number for web TV. And they said that there was nothing listed for them. And I don't know why, but like a light bulb went off for me when he said that. And I was like, what? There's no 800 number listed for web TV sales. And so I literally went out the next day and I bought my first cell phone and it was a pretty clunky old cell phone, but I got an 800 number uh, directed to that cell phone and I had it listed in directory assistance as web TV sales. And within an hour of when I got uh, that listed in directory assistance, that phone did not stop ringing. Wow. And I had people calling me constantly um, trying to get these web TVs. And I sold those for a good year and made a, a fair amount of money. Um, and so the company made the TV box, but you got like a commission for selling it, right? I, I did. Yeah. So, I mean, they were just a manufacturer and they, they sold them through, um, you know, various different distribution channels. And one of the big ones was this network marketing company that I'd signed up for. Um, but what one of the things that made me stop was they started selling them at Best Buy and Walmart and stuff. And so I'd get these people that would um, call me and, and they ask all kinds of questions and I'd spend all this time with them on the phone. And then they, I'd be like, yeah, so can I go ahead and sign you up for one and get your credit card information? They're like, no, I'm just going to go down to Walmart and get one. And I realized that there was really no way I could like compete with Walmart in yeah. trying to sell these things. And so that was the sign to me that it was time to end that business. But um, it was a nice lucrative business for probably about six to eight months while it lasted. Yeah. So you, you, do you, did you get like, you got a fair amount of money from that, but was it kind of, was it sustainable to keep like, I'm trying to phrase this the right way, but was it sustainable to, for your lifestyle to quit that job or did you quit it to try to find your own business? So at that point, it was not, A, it was not sustainable. I'm glad I didn't quit my job because um, selling those web TVs only lasted about, like I said, about eight months. Um, and so I would have been, you know, without a job after eight months. But also kind of in that eight months, I, I was a senior. And so I, I went ahead and graduated from college and I, I got my first marketing job for a department store chain um, that's now part of Macy's. Um, but at the time they were called ZCMI department stores and they were based... Um, there in Salt Lake City. And so I went to work in their marketing department and um, really got a lot of experience there that took me off on a pretty deep path for um, the next 20 years of my career. Um, I was I was focusing on customer databases and my expertise that I developed over that 
time was in uh, those loyalty programs that you have where, you know, you get your card scan, you earn points and get rewards and stuff like that. And so um, I worked for ZCMI department stores and then I moved to Connecticut and I started a loyalty program for a company called Bob Stores in Connecticut. Um, we, we called that program the best of Bob's. And then I moved to Pittsburgh where I worked for Dick's Sporting Goods and I ran their scorecard program and their customer database and did that for years. And then I eventually went to move, uh, went to work for a company out of Montreal um, and did consulting around um, all of those. And I think that was a good experience, A, because it, it just showed me the, what the corporate side of business was. And I learned a lot of invaluable uh, lessons about how the corporate world works and how businesses work and stuff. And those are all things that I, I still use in my business today, just understanding, um, you know, how to run a company. Because if I think if I had just started a company right out of college, I don't think that it would have been as strong a company because I wouldn't have had the experience to understand some of the basic um, processes and ways that, that businesses and companies operate. So I'm, I'm really glad that I had that 20 years of my career to do that. But also yeah, the other thing that's, experience. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and just get experience of yeah, what exactly. the side of having a boss and uh, learning all these things like marketing, accounting and all those things. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think the other thing that it also uh, did for me that became invaluable when I started the Capital Candy Jar is at that point, I realized that um, I really did want to start a company. And I knew it was going to take a lot of money to start a company. And um, I didn't know much about like venture capitalists and angel investors and a lot of the things that people use today to get funding to start companies. I just assumed that my company was going to have to be self-funded. And so um, over that 20 years, I was really able to sock away a, a nice chunk of change which I was then able to use to start the Capital Candy Jar and also to pay myself for the first couple of years because when we started the Capital Candy Jar, we weren't doing enough sales for me to actually you know, pay all my bills and my mortgage and all that kind of stuff. It took probably a good three years before I was able to give myself a salary enough that, that I could live on. Yeah, so like you have this money to start it and you moved to Washington, D.C. in 2006, right? I did. Yep. And I was still working uh, for that company in Montreal and, and doing consulting. And I was traveling every single week. So um, I just, I'd always wanted to live in Washington, D.C. because I'm just in love with this town. And yeah, um, I, I love it here. And, and I thought, you know, I can live anywhere I want because, again, I, I either work from home or I, or I travel to the client sites for consulting. And so I... I can live wherever I want. So I moved to DC. Um, so in 2014, um, you, you give a few Valentine's treats to your friends and they just loved it. And they really, and your friends and your family really wanted and encouraged you to make the capital candy jar, right? Yeah. So I had, um, I'd gone to work for another company and um, I'd worked for them for about nine months. And at the end of that nine months, uh, you know, sometimes when you work for companies, you just find it's not a cultural fit. And the company that I'd gone to work for, we, we decided it wasn't a cultural fit. And so I um, left them in January and it was the first time in my life that I'd actually been unemployed and I was looking for something to do. And um, 
I knew I, I thought this might be the right time to start a business, but I didn't know at that point what the business would be. I, I was still trying to think through, um, you know, what, you know, I'd done the web TV. Um, I had started a, a, a small greeting card company years before as well. And that hadn't really taken off. And, um, you know, I'd done the candy and it, I, I wasn't sure what, what company I would start. And then um, I had a tradition every year where I would make little goodie bags for all my single friends for Valentine's Day and take it around so they all had a Valentine. And that year, for whatever reason, I decided to make um, marshmallows. And I had not made lollipops since I was uh, since I was 14 and, and decided to make those again. And yeah, several of those friends called me up and said, these are amazing, you should sell these. And it just sort of clicked at that point. I was like, uh, yeah, why don't I sell these? And so that was February uh, of 2014 and April 15th. 2014 was my first day in our commercial kitchen starting the capital candy jar so you have enough money to buy this commercial kitchen and so the first I actually I, I wouldn't have had enough money to actually buy and build a commercial kitchen one of the I probably skipped over too much information there um one of the challenges right away is um I realized it was going to be very expensive to to build out a kitchen and, yeah. and all of the things that I needed. So I started looking to see if there was another place I could make the candy. And um, I found this, um, they call it an, a food incubator uh, here in Washington, DC. And it was one of the first ones in the country. And now a lot of cities throughout the US have food incubators, but um, this one was called Union Kitchen. And the idea was they've already built out the full commercial kitchen for you. And then you can just rent space in that kitchen. Oh. Um, as you need it and, and use it. Um, so it was kind of fun because when I started in, in Union Kitchen, um, I, you know, I had this like little table in the kitchen was, was the space that I'd rented. I think my rent was like $1,200 a month and you got like two storage shelves and a table and then you could spread out onto other tables if other people didn't need them and so you sort of had to start balancing your time once you learned who else was in the kitchen but there were catering companies there was a, a donut company there was an ice cream company there was a taco company that's there was awesome a company all these companies all working in that kitchen at the same time making their products and you get to know all of them and you get to be good friends and what's kind of fun about that is um as we've evolved, many of us have continued to grow our businesses large enough to where we were able to leave that commercial kitchen. And it's fun to look around and see all the different companies now here in Washington, DC that started, you know, started in out kitchen. in that same place uh, that now yeah. have their own locations, their own kitchens and, and have grown into larger food businesses. Yeah. And I mean, that's like a good place to learn from each other because you got, guys are all like brand new. Yep. And you can kind of work with each other. But so how much was the rent for that kitchen? Um, I think it was about $1,200 a month when we started. And then they based your rent based on how much space you're using and how much storage and stuff. So um, we were in that kitchen for three years. And I think by the time we left, we were paying about $2,200 to $2,500 a month, something like that. So the first, like the first day that you guys started, was all your friends and family ordering or were you like, how are you marketing? Did you get any sales? So um, the, when I first went in, I, you know, I made my first little batches of product and then I used to go around to farmer's markets and try and sell them. And so we were in three or four farmer's markets. And I remember 
um, going to a local farmer's market and, you know, setting up my tables and my tent. And, and um, you know, I think my first day I, at a farmer's market, I probably did like $80 in sales, but I was pretty excited that, you know, $80 is $80 yeah. when you're starting off and, and stuff. And, um, you know, we just, we just kind of started there. And then um, I started trying to figure out, I, I didn't really have a clear direction uh, of how to, how I was going to grow the business. I just, I knew I wanted to make this and I thought, well, I'll sell online and I'll sell at these farmer's markets and we'll kind of see where it goes and kind of follow the direction of the business. And um, a channel that sort of opened up to me that I hadn't really considered very much before was the wholesale channel. There were a couple of local grocery stores that visited Union Kitchen that um, just had like one or two locations, but they wanted to support small local food makers. And so um, Glenn's Garden Market here in Washington, DC is one of the first businesses that ever took my product. And uh, we've been with them now for seven years and they're today they're one of my larger wholesale clients. As so as they're selling in your store. No, no, I, I'm selling my product in their store. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I meant. (laughs) That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. So you're in this store, your product is in this store and that's probably awesome to see. It Uh, was, and it it was cool to like have friends and and stuff in in the area go, oh, I saw your stuff over at Glenn's or whatever. And um, now we're in like several Ace Hardware stores and several other grocery stores and a lot of hotels. And so it's, it's kind of fun to, to see that. Um, I just started a t-shirt company and like a month ago and oh, congrats. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, but it's so crazy to see like people wearing my own shirts. Like I'll go to a youth activity and, uh, I'll see like all my friends wearing them cause they've like purchased and it's so cool to see all the support around you and it know that that's the thing that you created and especially like in somebody's store, like your product in their store. That's amazing. Absolutely. I think for me, um, one of the things that I get most excited about, and it almost gets me a little choked up when I, when I see it and hear the stories is we've, we've grown massively since, since those first days in the kitchen. I mean, literally the first day it was just me. And then um, my sister used to live in the area. And so she would come in part-time in the evenings and help me. And now we've got our own store location and we've got, you know, bigger, um, more robust equipment. So our, our capacity to make candy is bigger and we've got a bigger team of employees and stuff to make stuff. So our scale and everything is just much bigger than it was seven years ago. But I think the thing that's exciting for me now is as customers come to me, especially around the holidays, that's, that's by far our biggest season is, is the, the Christmas season. And, have people come up to us and be like, do you have your peppermint bark or do you have your cranberry orange pistachio bark? Because that's become like a family tradition now. And they, they really want, um, you know, specific products because food is something that people build traditions and memories around. And so I'm super flattered that people have chosen to build memories and traditions around our products. That's and crazy. I think that's probably my favorite part of anything that happens in, in this business. Yeah. Wow. So three years later after like being in that union kitchen right yeah you guys like opened your own store and production space we did yeah so we were there 
And we had wanted to do it earlier and I'm glad we didn't um, because I just don't think we would have been ready. It, it was, it's amazing how expensive it is to build a, a kitchen. Um, oh we, yeah. We were probably well into a hundred thousand dollars um, in costs to build out a commercial kitchen. And, you know, when I saw the space, I thought, oh, this isn't going to cost that much. I just got to put in some sinks and, and, you know, it's not like we're building a restaurant here, but um, it was still easily a hundred thousand dollars to build out all the requirements and stuff and get it inspected by the city and stuff that you need to, to produce food commercially. And um, it's, uh, so it was a big expense. And I, I also just don't think we were, we would have had the sales to justify it if, if I'm being truly honest with myself. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that I saw other businesses in Union Kitchen making were they somehow got ahead of themselves with, with production and with costs without really having the business there to back it up. Um, for example, two very quick stories. Um, one, there was a, a company that came in and this woman, she made these... Um, they were basically cake pops, but they weren't on a stick. They were just, I think she called them cake truffles or something like that. Oh, yeah. And she uh, she was making those and she got like one or two stores to carry her products. And so suddenly she was like, oh my gosh, I, I got like two stores to carry these. These are going to like be the next biggest trend and take off. And so she very quickly um, increased her lease at Union Kitchen to expand her space significantly to a dedicated space, which is hers, which increased her rent by another like thousand dollars a month. Oh, wow. And then she didn't get any more stores after those first two. And so she had all this expense and rent and costs and people because um, she'd hired a couple of employees, but she didn't really have the sales to back it up. And so she went out of business shortly thereafter. And yeah. so I think she kind of got ahead of herself with just one or two sales and, and didn't really like approach it methodically and, and make sure that she really had the, the revenue to justify the costs. Um, yes. Another quick, quick story. I, there were some guys that came into Union Kitchen. They said they wanted to start um, this super all natural organic baby food company. And they used to come in every night with like cases of fresh vegetables and stuff. And steamers and things and they'd spend probably four or five hours or three of them and they'd cook and steam stuff and make all these things and then at the end of the night they'd they'd walk away with like 10 jars of baby food and I just started doing the math in my head and I'm like okay so you just had three people times four hours each so you've got 12 12 hours of labor cost into these jars plus you've got all the raw ingredients and the jars themselves and I did the math and I'm like these jars must be costing you like you know, 10 to $12 a jar and you're going to have to sell for, you know, 25 bucks a jar for, I don't think anyone's going to pay that. And yeah. um, sure enough, they didn't last for more than like maybe two months. Wow. So you saw the other people and you're like, I do not want to mess up. So you decided to like step back and understand when the timing is right to do to get a professional kitchen and your own shop and things yep. like that so that's that's really good yeah we did a lot of analysis figured out what the rent was going to cost us and um you know the build out and all that kind of stuff and wanted to make sure that we were doing enough in revenue that was like dependable revenue that we could count on um 
before we, you know, in order to justify that the additional costs that we were going to be taking on as a company. And um, I think that that three-year mark when we moved was the right time to do that. Yeah. So I know this may be like a private thing. Some people do not want to share this, but are you okay sharing like total do you know how much money you've made in 2020? Uh, well, 2020 is um, an unusual year because of the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I will say we made more in 2019 than we made in 2020. I, I won't share our actual sales numbers, yeah. but I will say that um, I will say that we're well into the multiple six figures in, in sales revenue at this point. Congrats. And um, yeah, 2019 was a was a good year for us. And when 2020 started, we were um, really on track to have any, you know, our biggest year yet. And then, you know, March comes and, and COVID hits and um, everything took a nosedive. But I think, you know, it took us several months to kind of figure things out and, and really make the pivot. And, um, you know, we lost one of our biggest sales channel when COVID started was uh, was hotels that were, uh, we were either in their gift shops or they were buying our products and then giving it to their VIP guests as amenities. Uh, did a lot of business with uh, conventions and, and things as they came into the city. Um, a lot of times you get a gift bag or something when you attend a, con a conference and they put our candy in the gift bag because we were like a local uh, treat. And yeah. all of those went away within a week um, in March. And so I immediately had to lay off most of my staff. And um, then we kind of regrouped and uh, we got some of the financing that uh, the Small Business Administration was uh, offering at that time uh, they, in the form of a PPP loan. And um, there were, uh, we really started to focus on what were the channels that were still driving revenue. And we still did have um, wholesale coming in from our, our grocery stores. Um, people were still, you know, buying plenty of grocery and, and things like that. So we were still getting a little bit of revenue there. Um, but then our web just exploded. And so in 2020, we said, well, if this is where the revenue is coming from, that's where we need to focus our efforts. And so we really, um, up and I will say that uh, web was probably about 2% of sales in 2019 and web was 20% of sales in 2020. And so we, we pivoted, we hired a professional photographer to reshoot all of our products. We um, moved from one uh, web platform over to another one. So we're on Shopify now and um, we just have a more robust uh, e-commerce <clears throat> engine. And we're really focusing there because that's where a lot of our, our revenue has moved to. And then also a lot of our revenue um, grew within the corporate space. So we, we've always had a lot of corporate customers and that's typically what, what I refer to as a corporate customer is where you've got a law firm or a realtor or someone like that that's calling and saying, hey, I wanna give a gift box to all of my employees or a realtor that wants to send some sort of gift to all of their clients or something like that. And so that business also really took off in 2020. And, so um, gifts, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So our, our sales from 2019 to 2020 were definitely down, but I think we were one of the lucky businesses that were able to pivot that business and focus on where we were 
getting the revenue from and grow those sales channels. And so that put us in a very good place coming into 2021. And um, yeah, so far 2021 is, has been a, a good year for us. Yeah. So how many employees do you have total? Um, sorry, I have to do a quick count in my head. I think there's six of us now. So you guys are like, so, so this all started when you were a kid selling in your middle school, like, let's just go back and you're selling and seven ish, like seven years, right? Okay. Maybe not seven, but a few, a few years later, you're now to the point where you have six employees and you have your own shop. And I mean, that's just congrats, man. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I, I don't think I ever would have dreamed when I started in junior high or even when I got that first job at the fudgery that candy would become my career. Because um, definitely when I was leaving college, you know, that wasn't the career path I was on. But um, I'm, I really love what I do now. And I, I love where we've gone. And I've got a great team of people. And I'm excited for the future. And, you know, hopefully, you know, someday we become a national brand and everybody can buy the Capital Candy Jar in their local grocery stores all over the country. Yeah. All right. Last question. What would be your dream job? If you had any job in the world, what would it be? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I'll tell you, um, my, it's still my goal. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched that show on CNBC called The Prophet with Marcus Never Lemonis. Never heard of it. Oh, it's a fantastic show. This guy named Marcus Lemonis, he's an entrepreneur and he built up uh, Camping World to a multi-million dollar company. And now he goes around and helps small businesses uh, that are struggling to turn themselves around and become um thriving businesses. And my dream is to be the next Marcus Lemonis and out there helping small businesses. And, and uh, he invests in all of them. So he has part ownership. And, and uh, I would love to sort of have my little empire of, <clears throat> excuse me, of, of small businesses that I have ownership in that I'm helping to thrive and grow. That's an awesome goal. Yeah. So um, I really appreciate your time. And um, Thank you, Dave, for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate your time once again. Go check out Dave out at capitalcandyjar.com. And thanks, everyone, for listening and tuning into the podcast. Thanks, Logan. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, everyone, for listening and tuning into my podcast. I worked really hard to get Dave on the podcast. So make sure you share this podcast with your friends and family. And I hope you guys really enjoyed it. If you you can also support this podcast by joining my Patreon page, where you can pay a few dollars a month for extra content and private chat with me. Go to patreon.com slash thinksupport to learn more. That is patreon.com slash thinksupport. You can also email us at thinkmoneypodcast at gmail.com. That is thinkmoneypodcast at gmail.com. Go check out Dave at capitalcandyjar.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.